Welcome to AASHTO Resource Q&A. We're taking time to discuss construction materials, testing, and inspection with people in the know. From exploring testing problems and solutions to laboratory best practices and quality management, we're covering topics important to you. Now, here's our host, Brian Johnson. Welcome to AASHTO Resource Q&A. I'm Brian Johnson. And I'm Kim Swanson. Who do we have with us today, Brian? Well, today we are doing a uh, public exit interview for our outgoing director of the CMRL, Construction Materials Reference Laboratories, Steve Lanker. Many of you who are in our program know that name or have met Steve over the years, but he is retiring today as we record this on July 14th, 2023. So we wanted to, to have a discussion with Steve on his way out and go over some lessons learned and get some advice from him. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Let's give just a brief overview of Steve's experience here with Ashto and Ashto Resource. Uh, Steve has been with Ashto off and on for 28 years, and he had a couple other experiences along the way with other employers but he has been the CMRL director for 15 years, directing the activities of Ashto Resource and CCRL collectively. Steve, you were with Ashto and did a couple of different things and came back. Why did you come back? I liked working for Ashto. And uh, I was at a point where I was kind of eager to get back. I had a long commute. I was working for the National Stone, Sand, and Gravel Association, where I'd been for eight years and had a good run there. But this position came open, and I found it very interesting, and I tended to move toward things that I knew I would like doing. So I uh, decided to pursue the position, and they were likewise interested in having me come. So uh, it worked out, and I don't regret it. Well, I just want to take a step back. That's why we came. you came back. But your very first position with ASHTO was as a laboratory inspector in 1985. And I just well, would like... Well don't, well, don't say it like that. <laughs> All the way back. But yeah, no, yeah. And it just, it, it I mean, you, know, you started at, as an, a laboratory inspector, which we would now call a laboratory assessor. And then you kind of work your way all the way up through the ranks of at Ashto Resource. And so I think that's just really impressive. And I wanted to give some context to that. And I just want to know if you could share like your favorite story from your inspecting and assessing days that's suitable for public consumption. Well, first of all, I mean, one thing that's interesting about that is when I interviewed for the position at first, I wasn't hired. <laughs> they hired somebody else who actually lived in my neighborhood, a guy that I knew and played baseball with growing up and uh, and who I obviously then worked with a few months later. But then they came back a few months later and uh, asked if I was still interested, and, uh, and I was. But it was very different. We did almost exclusively just the uh, central laboratories at the DOTs. And my first trip, I had never been west of Cleveland, Ohio before this first trip. The trip began in San Francisco and ended up in Denver, driving all that way, stopping at each state capital. 
So it was an eye opener and uh, it was an amazing, amazing trip. Love traveling out west. And in that time, so you were an inspector for a while and then you left and probably learned some lessons working for different types of organizations before you came back. What do you think the most important thing you learned after leaving Ashto and then coming back was? I had many different views of the organization. I mean, I don't know if it's the most important lesson, but uh, it gave me very good perspective. First of all, I mean, I, I was at the association headquarters office downtown. That was a very different view of Ashto and a different view of what Ashto Resource was about. Then I was a customer. I was working for an accredited lab, Fugro South, is the laboratory in Houston, Texas, where I had assessors come to the laboratory and uh, we were accredited. So I know what it was like to be a customer and to be in the industry, you know, and to be to be in a commercial laboratory. And that's a different environment. But it was a very good perspective and helped me understand the customers. And then, you know, I had eight years with the uh, National Stone, Sand, and Gravel Association. So I was very heavily involved with producers of materials. And again, that's a different view. And so it gave me a good view of an appreciation of why what we do here is important uh, for both Mashto Resource and CCRL. And I also saw that people very much appreciated the work of Ashto Resource and CCRL from those different, you know, just being able to view it from those different perspectives. Now, speaking of things that you've learned, what did you learn here in your last 15 years? I mean, I know you probably learned a lot over those years, even in a senior position, understanding what we do, obviously. But what, what things did you learn about yourself? And more, more importantly, at that higher level in the organization. Being a manager, you're continually learning. Like I do not manage the same way now that I did, you know, even when I came here in 2008, because uh, you learn how to work with people and uh, you learn, you know, how much you enjoy people. And that, you know, that's working not just with the staff, but with the customers. So I think you continually just learn how to do that, how to work with people in a professional way and in a way that they enjoy and you enjoy, I hope. I mean, I'm a, somebody here was telling me stories about uh, when I was training them in 1990. And, uh, you know, some of those things I would never do now that I did that. It's just continually learning. So I've been managing in one form or another since 1989 since you know, four years into the 38-year career, whether it's managing employees or groups of members or customers. So uh, that's what you learn, I think, is uh, working with people. It ends up being probably the most important thing to learn in any career. I was giving Kim some space to see if she wanted to jump in with a question before I get to the next one, but 
she looks content. Well, well, uh, you, you seem to have a good logical order of things, so I'll pepper in something if I need to, but your order seems to work better than mine. She was hoping that I would say that, you know, the most important thing I learned was to keep the communications manager happy. You know? It's a very important part. I'm glad you finally learned that, Steve. <laughs> well, I, you know, I asked these questions about what you've learned because I, I really was just trying to segue in a question about myself. I want to talk about what I've learned from you over the years. So I'm going to embarrass you a little bit here. Well, maybe, I don't know. Maybe you won't, maybe you won't be embarrassed. Yeah, I'm not easily embarrassed at this point. Here is the first, the first thing I've got quite a few things and we can cut whatever doesn't make it. <laughs> Lesson number one that I learned from Steve is that, safety comes first so i'd say i don't know how you rank these things and i will ask you this after i go through what i've learned from you how you would rank these things in order of of your accomplishments and what you're most proud of but i would say that you have drastically changed the safety culture here in a positive way over the years it was immediately apparent that that was one of your highest priorities coming in and I think that it was significant and a meaningful improvement for everybody who was working there at the time and continues to work there because it was a long lasting change that I don't see. I cannot imagine foreseeing that changing in the future because it is such a it was a, a hard change to make, believe it or not, for those of you listening to make such an impact. But we've got systems in place now to keep it going, which is great. Part of what Steve's commitment to safety is really how I envision it of really putting employees first and people first and really caring about individuals and the people that are working with you and for you. And it's not something he takes lightly. And I've, I've seen that, you know, in my 13 years of working with Steve that, you know, Safety is important because people are important to him. And I think that it goes to one of your points there, Brian, about Steve, about it's not just safety is just a part of it. I think the bigger thing is that he cares about the people and safety is a big part of that. That takes me to lesson two is to care about everyone because Steve does care about everybody in the organization. He cares about our customers. He cares about the people and it's more the people. It's not the, the category of people or category of customers or you know, you're a customer, you're a sponsor, you're a member, whatever it is, it's that he cares about people individually and the way he manages and the way he directs the organization is it's really obvious that that's one of the most important things to him. Lesson number three. So we're going to lighten it up a little bit. Thinking out loud is probably not very effective. One of the things that Steve <laughs> likes to say is that I'm thinking out loud, probably not very effectively. And I don't know, usually it's fine. But he, he always thinks it's not effective. So I'd, I'd say that is something that is a lesson that I've learned from Steve. Number four is listen, uh, stick to the facts. So there are a lot of complicated things that we deal with. And sometimes it can get emotional for people, you know, either internally or externally. Somebody could be upset about a certain decision. But the important thing is if you stick to the facts and you document what is important, what is critical, what are the bare minimum facts that you're dealing with. It helps you boil down those complications into what is actually critical and what is actually important. And then you can make a better decision 
that's something that I think you learn over time. And Steve was always good about talking to me about those things and working through complicated issues to get down to the most essential parts of whatever was going on. All right, Steve, I'm going to give you a moment to comment on that one. <laughs> well, there's a lot. Uh, you, which one do you want me to comment on? Any of them. I, I think as far as uh, you know, thinking about my career, and it's important. The people are very important. And uh, uh, it matters what type of people you have. And uh, like things like I know people have appreciated that life happens. A lot of different things happen in life, and it's very important that you allow people to live their lives and understand that in some ways the more important parts of their lives are with family and uh, dealing with these things that happen either to them or to family members. And those are the types of people we want here. They're people who care about other people because if they care about their families and the people outside of work, then they've got to care more about the people here. So I've found that very important to do that. And so we've always made that a priority. We, you know, we don't want people here saying, oh, you know, the most important thing is I come in and work, you know, 18 hours a day or something. No, we don't want that. So uh, in the end, it comes down to uh, the people. Like, and a lot of I don't necessarily rank anything as far as, you know, like even looking at, you know, what have the accomplishments been? It's all one big thing. I'm not a task person. You know, I don't have lists that I go down the list. I probably should be. And it's probably been a frustration to people. I just all have it in my head and it's all there at once. It's all important in its own way. So uh, I try to do that. Uh, safety. You know, I, I, I tried to be very careful not to criticize my predecessors in this position because they did what they felt was best at the time. And when I started here, uh, again, we carried through many of the safety procedures that were already in place. But what we learned was they weren't good enough and that it wasn't the right approach. And okay, but. My predecessors did what they felt was best and what they were being advised was best. So I'm not critical of them, but what I learned was we had to do a lot more and we did a lot more and we especially had the opportunity here to do a lot more because we moved the whole organization from Gaithersburg to Frederick. And uh, we had done a lot of work even when we were in Gaithersburg to improve safety, but it was actually a real blessing, all that work we had to do because we had all that in mind when we moved here and uh, it's a much safer place. It comes down again to people. You know, I don't, I don't want to, I'm, I'm at the end of my career now, so I can say, you know, unless something, Brian has a problem, he trips on something on the way out the door today. Uh, I haven't had any employees that have gotten seriously hurt here. I've never had to have the meeting with, an employee's family to say, I'm sorry, but because your loved one worked for me, they're no longer with us or they're injured for life. Never had to have one of those meetings. And I'm glad because I never want, wanted to or want to have one of those. And so it was very important that uh, uh, this place 
be as environmentally healthy as possible because uh, it matters. You know, people matter. I think I want to put into perspective for some of our listeners that you're not managing people that only have desk jobs where that would be Mm -hmm. kind of like, well, of course, you're not going to have that conversation like you are responsible for staff that is traveling the world to do their job and that we also have an industrial area where we Mm -hmm. package proficiency samples. Like we're dealing with tons of material and it can be a big thing. I don't want people to think that that, you know, what you just said was, oh, well, you know, why would you? It's an office job or it's just whatever. It's, It's more than that. So it is definitely, you know, saying something. You have had such a good track record in that way. So I just wanted to point that out to our listeners because I think it could be overlooked. Well, another thing I'll point out to them is that uh, many of these things were done at great cost. You know, we installed a dust abatement system, you know, dust collectors, whole system that made our environment so safe. I mean, we went from a very hazy look at NIST at times when we were down in Gaithersburg to having no material in the air. You know, when we've been here, it had been nothing. You don't see anything when we're working on very, sometimes, you know, we're working on soil. Let's face it. Uh, we're working on, you know, sometimes sands and aggregates that do have uh, dust that raises up. But we've come a long way and we've been willing to spend the money to make it a safer place and uh, a lot of money. But again, it is worth it to do that. So I, you know, we've never has, I've never hesitated during my time here to do that. One thing you alluded to is the the move from our old offices in Gaithersburg at NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, to the offices that we have now in Frederick, Maryland. That was a really significant and just a tremendous change that you drove and I think pretty effectively considering what a nice space we have, what a useful space we have for the type of work we do. And it's not, it it is complicated because we've got laboratory space, warehouse space, office space, smaller style conference space as well. But it really came together nicely and, and it's suited us well for all these years. So that was a lot of effort and I think you did a great job with it. Well, it was a good opportunity. It was, I came into the position here in 2008 and uh, that was the big issue was, should we stay at NIST or should we go? You know, as the song says, should, should I stay or should I go? I won't sing it, you'd be happy to know. But once I came into the position, I got a look at all the factors involved and pretty quickly determined that it's time to go. And uh, it was the right thing to do. I was willing to stay if that was the right thing to do. I think that was important to my bosses that I'd expressed, I'd like NIST, a good place to be, and I'm willing to stay. But uh, it was the right time to go. And uh, the project was not easy, but I found it tremendously rewarding. I mean, I was the key man on all of that (laughs) from the time that I determined that we should go and convinced uh, others with the money that we should do that. It probably took about three years to find a place, 
and then to execute the move. And it was very satisfying. And I, despite the frustrations along the way, which any major project you have that, it was, I really enjoyed that quite a bit. For me, it was a chance to be a leader here. And fortunately for me, it was something where I knew it was the right thing to do. So I was not hesitant to do it. And the groups worked very well together to execute that move. And uh, don't regret it at all. Uh, it was tremendous fun, really, as a manager to do that. I think you just enjoyed it so much is because now you have such a great office. It's your last day in the office with some windows and a good, you know, like the good setup there. So I'm thinking that might have something to do with it. I'm not sure, though. <laughs> well, I got out of the basement. We were in the basement at NIST, but uh, didn't have a lot to do with it, frankly. Uh, no, not the windows in daylight? You didn't no, want that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, not really. I didn't care as much about that. But uh, what I did care about was, okay, where are we moving? Is it a good place for people to be uh, in the whole design of the building and the environment? Would it be a good place to work? And uh, those are the parts that I care about. I couldn't care less whether I have an office to myself or whether it was out on the floor somewhere. Well, I appreciate you moving to Frederick, Maryland, so my commute time got cut drastically. <laughs> I think Brian's commute got longer, but mine got cut way short, so I appreciate that. Yeah, I wasn't thrilled with the move initially, but <laughs> I, I had come to appreciate the facility and the area that the new office is in and why we needed to do it. You know, another thing that I'd say Steve has confirmed for me, and it is always been a positive experience I've had working with Steve is that he understands and he takes action to do the right thing, even when it's difficult. You know, he may upset people because of whatever it is that he wants to do, or it may take some cajoling of different people to bring them along to get it done, or it may put him in a potential tough situation because he has to report something to an agency because of some wrongdoing that has been reported to him, but he always does the right thing. And it's good for me to see somebody who's gone through all these stages in their career and they still are able to stick to that because it seems a lot of times people over time, they get lax about that and they say, oh, no one cares. No one cares. What's the point? Right. And sometimes that's true. Like we found that to be the case. Sometimes Steve will follow through on something and, and get nothing back from whoever he reports it back to. But I, I think that that's been a really important lesson for everybody on staff to see that Steve does the right thing no matter what. And uh, I want to thank you for that, Steve. Okay, appreciate that. And it's not always easy to determine. You know, it's not always easy. It's not always like a black and white thing. So you have to spend some time to determine what the right thing is, but sometimes it is pretty obvious. And, you know, we need to be pursuing that. And, you know, there have been some times when, no, it isn't easy. Sometimes when it may appear not to be in our best interest to do this, that, or maybe you're calling a customer with words they don't want to hear, or you're telling them something about art somebody who works for us that you know we're not proud of that's pretty rare but we would acknowledge when we aired also 
and treat the customer well. It wasn't just about, you know, hey, your customer's not treating us well. It was uh, working with people and uh, being willing to admit when you make mistakes and also just be willing to handle things and not just let them fester and sit, no matter what it is. There's a lot of options. And, uh, you know, getting to that takes a lot of communication with people to make sure you understand and see the full view of it. If we have an issue with a customer, uh, or let's say a customer complaint, we try to understand thoroughly from their perspective, what is your viewpoint of this? And also present what our viewpoint is so that people get the full picture. A lot of time that resolves it alone when people understand what the what they're saying. Ultimately, I mean, what helps is I like people. I like dealing with people. And even in a something that's a difficult situation, that helps a lot. So uh, I find those some some of those things very interesting. Again, it's not real easy sometimes to figure out what the right thing is. <laughs> and nobody's perfect, but uh, yeah, we do our best with it, really. I try to make sure I'm seeing the full picture. I, I'm not a judgmental person. I don't seek to judge people, but uh, it's very important to get the full view of what's going on before you take an action. In the parting email, you you did allude to that of making the best decision you can with the information you have available at the time. And that resonated with me because I try to live my life that way as well with not really regrets, just knowing that I've made the best decision or best course of action I could with the information I had. And when you get new information, then you make a different decision. But yeah, I thought that really resonated with me. You know, I paraphrased you in your in your email to that to that effect, though. But it goes to, you know, you really do embody, Steve, our organizational values and principles that we have and integrity is one of them which Brian was talking about of we do the right thing even if it's difficult and so I think that was you know you've embodied all of our organizational principles for staff and for customers and for members and it's just been great to to see that in a leader within our organization yeah for the customers I mean sometimes the right thing and something where we as an organization don't make as much money as we would have. A lot of decisions, but it's the right thing to do. And maybe it's something where if we were pure profit-driven business, maybe we would say, well, we'll keep doing this, even though, you know, it's not the right thing to do, but we're willing to do that. You know, sometimes the right thing is to, uh, you know, drop this program or that program or to change something that maybe it's not as profitable for us and that's okay if it's the right thing that's all right if it's serving the customers better and accomplishing what we're trying to accomplish together because you know as customer and, and an organization that does what we do as long as that's the case that's okay to do that that's all right and that's what you know we would do those cases. It's also helped that at a higher level, both Ashto and ASTM, again, people that uh, do care about the people that work for them, do care about their customers. You know, sometimes people don't get the full view of how decisions are made, but at a higher level than mine, uh, again, the people that are acting with integrity and care and they care about 
the people that work for them and care very much about the customers. So that's a good thing. It's not just me. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because it, it, I think a lot of times people don't realize that even in a, an institution like Ashto and, uh, you know, the Ashto accreditation program, we're still having these discussions about are our services useful? Are we doing our best? Are we serving a need? And we are not afraid to say, okay, well, this isn't working out. Let's stop doing this. Maybe we should be doing something else instead that's more useful. So uh, those kind of discussions actually do take place. And it, it does take a leader like Steve to help make sure that those things are important and are carried out so that you can continue to be a useful organization. Yeah, we've always tried to... Uh avoid the, well, why do we do this? Well, because we've always done it. And every organization has some of that, but sometimes when it was started, there were very good reasons to do do it that way. But uh, that in and of itself, meaning we do it because that's the way we've always done it, isn't a good reason. So I've never responded well to that as a response to, well, why are we doing this? Why are we you know, producing these widgets? Well, because we've always done it. Nobody wants them anymore, though. Well, that doesn't matter. You know, we've always done it this way, so we're going to do it. But again, it might be okay if there was a good reason to produce the widgets originally, and that reason still holds. That's fine to do it the way it's always been done. So there's a lot that goes into these things. And that's another lesson I learned is that the widget business is not what it used to be. So that's, so thanks for that. I, I know not to go into the widget business. People involved in the widget program, I know, like to hear this podcast. You know? That's true. Getting a nasty letter from the Widget Association. I think, you know, this also leads me to another lesson learned. And this is one that has been learned the last couple of years is that it's really important to try new things. Push yourself beyond your comfort level. And as a human being, it is important to stretch that and I guess advance your own life in doing so and your enjoyment of life. So this takes me a little outside of what we typically talk about for work. And Steve, if you don't mind sharing some of the things that you have been trying that's new to you over the last like uh, <laughs> six to eight years uh, that has given you some some personal enjoyment. Yeah, I've gotten involved a lot in comedy with uh, improv comedy and the improv groups of Frederick and performing and lately stand up comedy, which is a whole different animal. The improv comedy is actually something that is very useful for workplace relationships because uh, contrary to what you might think, it only works if you work together with the other people. If you go out alone and decide you've got this funny thing that you're going to say no matter what, it falls flat (laughs) as it really is about working with people. So it has actually helped what I do here and I think would help anyone working in any environment like this. The stand-up's a little different. That's a new thing. I don't know if I advise people to do <laughs> to go quite out like that. But uh, again, it's uh, it's fun. Some of us like that, like to be uh, out there and uh, willing to uh, deal with it, come what may, and just enjoy the uh, interaction with the audience and that kind of thing. But I'm learning. I'm learning it. I'm not anywhere near being good. Just a few open mic 
sorts of things and uh, I'll keep doing it. I've always been very involved in the arts. I grew up in a family of artists and I've, again, I've painted and, and things like that. Haven't done it lately, but I might get back into some of the visual arts and things like that or writing or we'll see. It kind of, it's important it broadens you not to be uh, just focused on, you know, I'm going to think about accreditation all the time, you know, and home, I'm looking to learn more about accreditation. Uh, no, it helps whether it's accreditation, whatever business involved in, it helps to be thinking in different ways. Uh, it does help your performance at work to do that. You know, you're involved in a lot of different things too. And it's broad, you know, it makes you better at what you do here. Couldn't agree more. It's really important. It it builds skills that you couldn't otherwise build, and it gives you a unique opportunity to do that. And I I can't imagine going to a uh, a training session on communication and them giving you an opportunity to do improv comedy. But you're right. I mean, there's the the teamwork, the collaboration. You have to be on the same page, thinking with your whoever's in your your group. Well, what it, what it is about, first and foremost, is really listening to what the other people are saying, because that's what you play off of in improv comedy. And in the past, it's not true now, of course. I've been accused of sometimes, you know, being a few steps ahead. You know, I'd be talking with somebody in the office here, and uh, I'm already thinking about what I'm going to say. And not, and then I don't listen to what they actually are saying. I've got the next point in mind or the next three points in mind. That's not really the best way to do it. You really need to listen to what people are saying. You know, as a joke, I was going to interrupt you with that point, but anyway, I decided <laughs> to, to listen instead. <laughs> that takes me to the last point that. I was going to make about uh, lessons learned from you, Steve, is that no matter what goes on, no matter how important your job is or uh, how many people depend on you, you're always more than your position. You're always more than your job. You're more than what your work product is. And that's a good thing. And, And we're all replaceable in whatever role we serve. And it's important to never forget that because if you if you think you're irreplaceable, you're going to make bad decisions about how you mm-hmm. use your time. And it's also going to build up your ego to an unhealthy level in the office. So I, I think like the, it keeps you humble. And even long before you were talking about retirement, you made that clear that, you know, people come and go from workplaces. And they need to remember that that they're more than just whatever they're doing at work. So thank you for that lesson. I think that's an important one to learn. And it's great for people to learn at a younger age. Well, one of the things that uh, I'm very proud of that I haven't touched on is, uh, you know, we've talked about my position and maybe people have seen my name and such. It used to be all over all our correspondence and such. But uh, I think one of the things I leave that I'm proudest of here is that people, it sounds counterintuitive to say this, but 
when people think of AASHTO resource or CCRL, they don't necessarily think of me first. Maybe they think of you, Brian, or you, Kim. Or, <laughs> so, no, really, or one of the, they generally are not thinking of me. They're thinking of a lot of other people here that they've dealt with. And I think that's a very good thing and a very important thing that you allow somebody other than you to be seen as the face of the organization. And that when people think of the organization, they're not thinking of, you know, oh, the grand leader, grand exalted leader who, uh, you know, the president of the company or whoever is in the leadership position, but that they think of a lot of other people because, uh, you know, people are doing really good things. And if that spotlight is spread out, uh, I think we're a better organization for it. If we're allowing other people to take leadership, uh, which they do in many different ways in whatever position they're with here. Uh, you talked about the assessors, inspectors. Okay, for many of our customers, that's the face of our organization. But they're leaders too. I've always taken great pride that, you know, I'm not necessarily the first person mentioned if someone talks about Ashto Resource. I've seen other companies where you only hear about the leader. I think that's weak. I think so. I, I take great pride that we've allowed people to lead here and not, you know, hogged all the leadership into one spot. So uh, I'd probably leave as proud of that as uh, any of the other things. So what is next for you? So you have hobbies, you have things that you're interested in. What are you going to do next? Are you going to keep working on some capacity? I'm not sure it's possible. I'm not going to some other job on Monday, such and uh, not for a while, I'm sure. Uh, but I'm not ruling it out. You know, I'm not saying this is necessarily the end of career in the industry. If I see something that I find interesting, then I'll do it. Or if I find something that you know, makes life a little better for my family, I'll, I'll do it. Uh, so I don't know, to answer your question. Uh, in the immediate future, you know, I'll do the things I do at home, whatever that is, whatever that entails. But I'm still working on that. And uh, I mean, I announced a long time ago I was going to retire, so I probably should know that by now. But uh, no, it's pretty wide open. And I haven't really decided yet what all I'm going to do. I'm expecting to see on social media that you're doing a stand-up comedy tour of the U.S. Sure. Um, within the next year or two, I expect that you're going to be all over my feeds and little clips of uh, of your stand-up comedy. I think you're going to go viral. It's going to be big. That's my projection for yeah. you there, Steve. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that will happen. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'll take it as it comes. You know, nothing happens instantly but there's a lot out there i think that's probably a bit unlikely <laughs> but uh there are a lot of things to get involved in and uh you know i'll figure it out whether it's going back to a nine to five job or uh doing something as weird as comedy but uh you know there's a lot of opportunity and uh, i'll just have to figure it out Steve, I have to ask you one last question before you go. And we've talked a lot about your philosophies about different things, but is there any final advice that you would like to give to the future leaders 
here or leaders in whatever their organizations are who might be listening before you go? I don't know. I'm, I'm always hesitant to do so, but I will say, uh, you know, people matter. You want the kind of people that care about other people to be your employees. So I think ultimately what determines whether a manager is successful and not limited to managers, uh, it's how well do you deal with people? And, uh, uh, you know, and that the parts of that that can be developed. I mean, I'm not, it's not that outgoing a kid, you know, <laughs> and, uh, Despite the stand-up comedy and all that, I'm pretty much an introvert, believe it or not. So a lot of dealing with people has been developed, but you find, if you can find that you enjoy them, it helps an awful lot. Caring about the people you know, in your context of whatever your management role is matters an awful lot. And uh, it feeds into all these different areas. You know, a lot of the decisions we've talked about here, I mean, it comes down to what's best for the people. And what's best for the people can be what's best for the company, too. And usually is, again, we work for the company. Uh, We don't lose sight of that. But, you know, as a manager, I think you really have to uh, work with people. And like I said, as far as the things that I think will continue on are, uh, you know, I'm very proud that there are a lot of leaders here. And it's not people in a panic because I'm not here. That would be a very bad thing. You know, ideally, you have enough people that uh, there is no void when one leader leaves. And I guess that's my advice is to really work on people and developing the people as leaders, no matter what their position is. Well, thanks, Steve. And uh, if you do end up coming back to the industry in some capacity and you're working for some place that needs to get accredited, uh, just know because of all the great lessons that I've learned from you, you'll get no special consideration and no deference paid uh, whatsoever. <laughs> so so thank you for all those great That's lessons. That's good to know. That's good to know. But I've been through that already. I won't be expecting any, but I will call and annoy you with picky questions and, of course i would expect will, nothing and i'll less. try to take a lot of time doing it <laughs> <laughs> yeah really drag it out so i can't get anything accomplished that would be great all right well thanks for being on the on the podcast also this was a lot of fun and uh, i was it was nice going down memory lane with you today well thank you and uh you know i hope that some of what we've said is helpful to people and uh, i've met a lot of really good people in the industry people i've worked with people, customers, and a lot of friends. So uh, I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Ashto Resource Q&A. If you'd like to be a guest or just submit a question, send us an email at podcast at ashtoresource.org or call Brian at 240-436-4820. For other news and related content, check out Ashto Resource's social media accounts or go to ashtoresource.org.